Route 16 Grind, Episode 3. International, baby! The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by Sea State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. Welcome to the Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. Here are your hosts, Brian and Chuck. All right, welcome back to the Route 16 Grind. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, from Route 16 Off-Road, and I am joined by Chuck. Hey, Chuck, how's your week been going, man? Good, brother. Busy. We're doing a little bit of a remodel at the office, and it's kind of hectic. We've got four people crammed in one room when we're used to having individual offices, and we may kill each other at the end of six weeks. (laughs) Well, don't do that. I need you here. So I've been pretty busy at my work, too. Got some students, been doing some teaching. And uh, yeah, it gets crazy. Hey, guess what? We've totally forgot last week to talk about our international audience. We have three UK listeners and two Canadian, man. We are international, baby. That's awesome. And it, uh, I'm continually surprised by the results of our podcast every week. I mean, we got the first UK listener week one, but to have five people in other countries clicking on that link and listening to us, is kind of it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, and we really appreciate you getting that word out there because we definitely don't do it by ourselves. So continue to spread the word and share the Route 16 grind with your friends, family, coworkers, and let them know, hey, we appreciate their support. So we also have a, a, a second review too, Chuck. This one is from uh, VX Marksmanship owner Dan Sanford. I know Brian for a long time, ever since he was making me do eight-count bodybuilders in the Middle East all lies. This show is great because it talks about the community in a healthy way that promotes outdoors enjoyment. So Dan and I served a part of the force reconnaissance group during the initial invasion in Iraq. There's a lot more to this uh, review and to Dan's story. And we look forward to hearing more about it when Dan joins us for the show as a guest in the near future. Thank you very much, Dan, for that awesome review and spreading word about our podcast. Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment that goes directly to the show. Help this podcast to expand and grow. Benefits for each level range from a shout-out during the show, connecting with us directly on Discord, receiving swag, to being listed as a show producer with bonus benefits. We also accept Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Check out the show notes for links to our Patreon page and our cryptocurrency wallet. On this episode of the Route 16 Grind, this week's outdoor update, Chuck shares some information about the Land and Water Conservation Fund and how you can help ensure that this program remains effective at the highest level. Brian talks about Factor 55 continuing to be a brand to beat at the Specialty Equipment Market Association, or SEMA, show and shares some special details about two off-road clubs and one event. In the Cup of Joe segment, we provide you an update on our future 
segments on Target and Go Adventuring, and we talk about great word of mouth feedback that we're getting about the podcast and so much more. The Red Warren Badge says you're equipped to handle anything, ready to conquer any challenge that may come your way. That badge has stood for off-road excellence for more than 70 years. During that time, we haven't stopped innovating or striving for perfection. Be ready. Be prepared. Go Warren. The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoors Update, the weekly segment where we provide you with information, news, and stories from the outdoor community. Tonight, I want to talk about a very important tool in the conservation and outdoor recreation world. Uh, That tool is the Land and Water Conservation Fund. For those of you that aren't familiar, the Land and Water Conservation Fund was established by Congress in 1964 with the intent of developing a funding stream for conservation projects while also providing recreational opportunities to Americans nationwide. Something unique about the LWCF, it does not rely on any taxpayer dollars. Zero. Literally zero. The Land and Water Conservation Fund dollars come from offshore federal oil and gas lease royalties, with the initial act authorizing $900 million for the fund. Although since 1964, Congress has only appropriated this full amount once. This program took a lot of foresight to develop, and it was put in place by some environmentally conscious individuals that thought that the profits made off of the reduction of one natural resource should be reinvested in the American people through conservation and recreation opportunities. And according to the Department of Interior, to date, the fund has contributed $3.9 billion to over 40,000 projects on a cost-match basis through state and local grants, protected 2.37 million acres of land through the Forest Legacy Program, and it assisted in the conservation efforts of endangered species in the U.S. by providing $394 million in funding. In addition to this, the fund has, is also a vital tool in perver- preserving our cultural heritage through the National Park Service and the American Battlefield Protection Program, which sends money back to parks like the Kings Mountain Battleground located in South Carolina. The Land and Water Conservation Fund is easily the most wide-reaching piece of conservation legislation in U.S. history. Uh, I've been involved in conservation for three to four years now, um, and I'm, I'm still really new to it. But I was aware of what the LWCF was pretty quickly into my involvement in conservation. But I looked at it as a means of protecting wildlife and to fund national forests and national parks and things. The first time I ever saw a piece of LCWF or LWCF signage was at a park in Beaufort, South Carolina. And this park wasn't a quote unquote nature park. It was a city rec park with athletic fields that was funded in part through the state and local grant programs that I previously mentioned. Land and Water Conservation Fund Coalition, which, as they define themselves, is a broad coalition of stakeholders that has come together to support full and dedicated funding of the LWCF, 
uh, provides a national map on their website where you can find a county by county listing of the projects that have been made possible through LWCF funding. Uh, this really puts into perspective how wide reaching this funding program is and how successful it has been since 1964 to put into the scope of this fund, to put this, to put the scope in perspective, I should say the map indicates that all but three counties in North Carolina have had LWCF funded projects while the department of interior can test that every county in the nation has benefited from the land and water conservation fund. That's every single county. The coalition website is, it's a great resource that I encourage you to go to. If you want to delve deeper into the fund, I, I do want you to go look deeper into it. Uh, I recommend the state specific fact sheets. It's going to give you a brief rundown of your area and then go to the map that I mentioned. You're going to be able to check out your county, counties that you've lived in, places you've been, thing you want to check out. And you'll be able to identify how this has impacted your life and some places that you've been. At this point, I'm sure you're wondering, well, where am I going with all this? And I think it's safe to say that by now you realize that there's a very high likelihood that you've reaped the benefits of the actions of the 1964 Congress. And thanks to their actions, plus the actions of our current legislature, the LWCF was permanently reauthorized as part of the big public lands package that was signed into law in the March of this year, which was a huge step for the future of the LWCF. Because for the first time in the fund's history, it is here to stay. We the people don't have to worry about the fund having to rely on the vote of our elected officials every few years to remain intact. They stepped up. It was the program was about to sunset and they were able to get together and permanently authorize it with bipartisan support. And even though that's a step in the right direction, there's another step that needs to be made and that's to fully fund the program. And right now there are two bills in the legislature that would do this. One of them, uh, HR 3195, passed the House Natural Resources Committee in June. And then there's a companion bill in the Senate, S-1081, that just this past Tuesday, November 19th, was approved by the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. So now with both of these bills making their way through the slog that is committee the committee approval process, there's hope that the fund will soon no longer be subject to the correct congressional appropriations process. Thus, in turn, ensuring that all $900 million goes towards the conservation and recreation projects that they were originally intended, and the government can stop siphoning the funds away from it and using it for other projects. With full funding, the reaches of the LWCF will continue to grow, and the impacts will even be even broader than what they are now. And I can't really imagine that because it's already so impressive how far, how wide reaching this money has been and what it's provided to folks all across the country. So now for the what can you do part, you can call your representatives, let them know the importance of the LWCF and its need to be fully funded. At the end of the day, they do work for us. And trust me, I've seen the results. If the phone rings enough about a given issue, they do take notice. I've been involved in other things other issues to where phone calls and emails to representatives were necessary. And even if you point things out to them through Facebook, Instagram, they do notice and they will make changes and they can make changes to things pretty drastically. So I do highly encourage you to reach out to them. 
as far as the LWCF goes, I barely skimmed the surface on it. I don't want you to just take my word for it, but do some digging. This is a huge program, very wide reaching. It's it's very in depth. There are numerous sub programs within involved within how the LWCF works. I want you to look into it and figure out exactly how it's impacted you. I, I promise you, you've got a story associated with LWCF. Whether you're an overlander, hunter, angler, hiker, team mom, uh, little league dad, you've probably set foot on a piece of ground that owes its existence to the LWCF. Chuck, I'm officially mind blown. Wow. Uh, I have never heard of the LWCF. I learned so much just in that segment, and I definitely am going to dive deeper into this subject and topic, do some research on my own. Amazing stuff here, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome, man. And I don't think you should necessarily feel ashamed that you don't know what it is. Uh, I feel like most people genuinely don't. Just like I'm sure there are a lot of things out there that impact my life that I don't know about. I guarantee you there are. This is just a world that I've been I've been running in for the past few years. When I, like I mentioned when I was discussing it previously, I knew what it was for a little bit, and then when I saw the signage, I was like, "Oh, okay." So this money came from the same thing that's funding wildlife conservation. What's the exact deal with it? And the more I dug into it, I was like, "Oh, this thing is huge. Like this is a machine, and it's it's not taxpayer funded. It's coming from companies." that are making money off our natural resources. Nobody wants to pay more taxes, of course. I mean, you can get these dollars from somewhere. Somebody else that's that's being extractive has to reinvest their money into something. I support it. I mean, it's not government intervention holding, holding up progress or anything. It is, unfortunately, it's necessary, but it's the government holding somebody's feet to the fire to make sure that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, go out here, do these leases, make this money. Get rich. But you have to give some back to the people that you're essentially taking these resources from and you're buying these rights from. So I, I, I love it. I love the program. Yeah, I like the fact that it's offshore. I, I got to dive more into it to get probably a more formulated opinion opinion here. Because anytime Congress – like I love the when you brought out the point, hey, we get like over $900 million, but there's only been one year since 1964 where all that money has gone where it was supposed to go to. And we deal with that a lot through government programs. The more we remove government hands out of that money, it will be more appreciated by me. I hate giving them money. Uh, you know that. Anyone that knows me knows that. Yep. But uh, – Definitely, we you know you you take it where you can get it and start building that point to a little bit more independence, a little bit more liberty. And I like what you said. Call your representative, get involved. Um, you being just a silent, angry person, putting out mean posts on Facebook and all that stuff doesn't help. Uh, another thing you could do is educate, get smart on the topics, understand where all these things are coming from, what they benefit, and before you know it, you might find something that you can truly get behind. Um, I know how that is, where you just look at things and like, oh, nothing works. Why do I vote? Why do I do all this stuff? It's stuff like this, things that you do every day. And you know what? You, not, you may not know where it comes from, but when it's gone, you'll definitely notice. Thanks again, Chuck. That was pretty awesome, man. We'd like to feature your outdoor successes on the show. So shoot the pics over to us with a brief story at route16.com and select contact. That's R O O T. O-N-E-S-I-X dot com and select contact and we'll get your outdoor adventures on the show. Hey, this is Nikki G. I'm going to say, uh, 
really like your show. You guys do a great job. And I've got a quick hunting story for you. A buddy of mine went out hunting, and uh, he was from New York City, so he didn't really know too much about outdoors. But he, he was enjoying it. We're walking through the woods, and uh, we come across some tracks. And uh, I said, I think those are coyote tracks. He says, no, he saw them in the book. It's uh, bobcat tracks. I said, now they're coyote. And he said, bobcat. And we argued about it a little bit. And uh, he bent down to get a closer look at it. And right about then is when the train hit him. <laughs> All right, guys, I'll catch you later. You have a good one. Bye. Oh, Nikki G. I think we have a trend here uh, with Nikki G calling in. I uh, really appreciate it. You, you definitely got to watch those tracks. You can be dangerous out there. I'm not mad at the trend at all. Keep calling Nikki and <laughs> tracking definitely is a skill set that is, uh, not easily learned. Want to be on the show? Maybe share with us some interesting hunting, fishing, overlanding, wheeling, or adventure news. Then give us a call at route one, six hotline at nine, one, nine, six, nine, four, three, three, five, six. And maybe you will be on our next show. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine Warren products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference, will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go worn. Welcome to In the Dirt, Rock and Mud segment. This week, I'm going to talk about the fantastic showing that Factory 55 products had at the 2019 SEMA show, winning multiple global media awards. The SEMA Global Media Awards program recognizes that automotive personalization and customization is growing throughout the world. While the industry has strong roots in the United States, the appeal of making cars and trucks fits one's lifestyle is universal. And Factor 55 Products once again killed it at SEMA, continuing their winning streak, claiming six global media awards at SEMA 2019 for both the new patent-pending RRP rope retention pulley and the Extreme Duty Toe Strap. Selected from nearly 3,000 products that were featured at this year's SEMA show, the esteemed international panel of judges each selected products that would be most interest to their publication's readers and most likely succeed commercially in their respective countries. Congratulations, Fat 55. They just don't build it. They engineer it. Moving on to clubs and events, the Carolina Jeepsters Toy for Tots Toy Drive is coming up Saturday, December 7th at the Carolina Ale House in Fayetteville, North Carolina. This event starts at 10 a.m. and is sponsored by Route 16 Off-Road, True Patriot, Mission 22, and Hendrix Chrysler Jeep Fiat. This is an amazing club with some special people that I've known for over three years. With Jeep's names like Nerf Herder, Stormtrooper, Gadget, Cape Crusader, Stormborn. If you are a Jeeper or just like Jeeps, this is a club with some amazing characters. 
With those characters come big hearts for those in the community in need. As Jeepers are well known for their social interaction and gatherings, this is one club that finds ways to use the club for positive community support. If you're in the area or maybe you don't mind a little bit of a drive, come out and support this event. Bring a smile to a child on Christmas Day. And you know if I had the Route 1610 up there, there's going to be some cool items for the Route 16 booth raffle. Can't find us? I'll tell you what I tell everyone who asks, what does our tent look like? Look for America. When you see it, you'll know. Don't forget to bring a new unwrapped, still-in-a-box toy that will be donated to a child in the Cape Fear, Cumberland, and Robeson County areas of North Carolina. Want to help out? Then contact carolinajeepsters at gmail.com. They're also on Instagram and Facebook, Carolina Jeepsters. And finally, I'm going to close this segment out talking about another club, Carolina Trails Off-Road, or CTOR. Primarily a South Carolina-based club, but they have members located outside the state from Willy Wagon up in Michigan to Esavera all the way out in Hawaii. This club is open to all type of off-road vehicles from ATVs, Suzuki Samurais, Yodas, Ford, Chevy Jeeps to Johnny Cash Specials. If you heard the song, you know what I'm talking about. This was the very first club that welcomed Route 16 off-road in their mix, inviting us to their events and special gatherings. I am not sure what my year will be like without seeing those faces in the spring at the CTOR Uari Invasion or in the fall slash winter to close out the wheeling season. This is the club that supports its own, helping members with sound technical advice, helping to do some wrencher for club member builds, and are always there for each other when a member needs it most. This is what a true club is all about, and thanks to the internet, it doesn't have to just be a group that is local to you. If you wheel or are interested in wheeling, joining a club might be a positive step for you. Though not all clubs are alike, I do recommend that you do your own research to ensure it's a club that will give you a little less stress, keep things safe, and bring more joy into your life. Well, man, dude, I go ahead and tell you, the club section, the club portion of the jeeping and off-road world, I think is legitimately the coolest part. It's it's so community-centric uh, that like that's the one thing that the first event that I went to down at Uwari, I took away from it. It's like, man, these dudes and gals are getting together and doing what they love. And obviously, they're giving back. Yeah, I totally enjoy it. I like the fact that it brings people, wouldn't necessarily come together other than that fact that they have that one common bond. We'll say it's a off-road vehicle, a rig, or some type of outdoor uh, event. You start communicating each other. You learn about each other. And the biggest thing, it builds some mutual respect. It's not necessarily about agreeing with everything. It's not necessarily about falling in line with it, what what they like or don't like. It's about being yourself and being accepted. And I'm telling you right now, in that community, you know, you come in positive, you're going to get cut positive back. There are some clubs that, you know, aren't necessarily the best and may not fit you. And that's okay. Guess what? You can leave that. You don't need to put yourself through that. But there are some outstanding clubs like these two clubs here that I mentioned, Carolina Jeepsters and Carolina Trolls Off-Road. Definitely a great family setting. They do wonderful events. They go on trips. You know, they help each other out, whether it's not, and it's not just on the trail. It's, it's stuff going on in life, and it's just quite amazing. And Factory 55 going to be uh, digging through those guys' website here in the coming days for sure. Yeah, they're bringing some stuff out. I can't really mention it uh, too much. I, I did have some uh, conversations with them earlier this week. And, uh, man, I'm super excited for what they're going to be bringing out in the future. Can't let it go. Promise I wouldn't tell. Well, I bet you whatever it is ends up on my wife's Jeep. 
<laughs> I hope so. Mine too. <laughs> Have an idea or maybe you would like to contribute to one of our segments? Then go to Route16.com and select contact. And let us know your idea. That's Route16.com. Select contact. Go farther. Do more. Challenge yourself. Dig in. Winch out. Rediscover the fun of off-roading. All with the confidence that you can do more than ever before. Because you're backed by reliable Warren products. Led by an exciting wave of new Warren products, the off-road world has never been more energized. Consider the ground-up, redesigned, and never-say-can't attitude of the new Axon and VRX Power Sports winches. The most innovative, revolutionary winches on the market. Plus, the expansive line of Warren products for the truck, commercial, utility, industrial, and severe duty markets. You give us your trust, we deliver the performance. Wherever you go, be prepared. Go Warn. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by Seasteak Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to Seasteak Coffee. Seasteak Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery, selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. All right, show three, Chuck. We're getting awesome at this. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's, uh, it's coming right along. The confidence is building. I'm, I'm digging the feedback for sure. Yeah, I, I tell you, my, my wife actually uh, listened to the show. She said, man, I, I, I love it. I love it. And my wife, for y'all to know, and, and some of y'all might know that, that listen, uh, my wife doesn't wheel, she doesn't hunt, uh, and she's from Alaska, straight up from Alaska, doesn't hunt. It's just not her thing, and that's cool, but she really does enjoy the show, and I totally appreciate her honest feedback. Yeah, man, you, you got any feedback from your wife? Oh, man, she likes it. She thinks it's cool. Um, I know going into it, she was kind of like, Hey, you're doing a podcast. I like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> don't embarrass but me. Now she's like, Oh no, it's, she, she digs it. She realizes I enjoy it too, but she's definitely digging it. And the cool thing about it is we hadn't even unleashed all the segments. No. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up. I know you guys are wondering, Hey, where's this on target segment? Where does this go adventuring? I've been talking to the people that are going to contribute and I've actually wanted them to listen to the podcast and kind of get a feel for what we're doing, how we're doing it, and all that. And they are putting together stuff for their segments. VX Markmanship, they're pretty busy. They're going to probably come in for an interview. So Dan's going to probably do an interview. He may not be able to do like a series. And when he gets a chance, he might do that. But I know Triada Training Solutions is doing working on doing a series to build up to. FMC Overland is super excited about it, too. And this early this week, I spoke to uh, Ron Holmes, instructor one himself from Riker, uh, inventor of the Riker grip, and he literally wanted to do it tonight. And I was like, yeah, I would love to have you on, man, but definitely listen to the show. And I think a big thing was we had John on last week, what was so awesome. And then it gave us a lot of good information of for us, for me and Chuck to kind of look at, hey, how are we going to integrate our guests? How are we going to integrate a series? So working with John Mapes last week from uh, – you know, Nora four by four. That was just awesome. Yeah, dude, I'm looking forward to them all. The the on target is going to be really interesting because I'm a hunter, but I'm not necessarily like a gun guy. It's go out, get used to my trigger, shoot my guns, um, make sure they're on, and and be responsible and ethical hunter. But I'm not like a quote unquote like gun nut. My gun collection is not much of a collection. Really. Man, I don't know. No, oh yeah, I'm no. kind of scared to ask if you think I'm a gun nut. I got I got more than two. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I've got more than two, yeah. but I don't have like, I've got buddies that have like things they don't shoot. They're just there for 10, 10 rifles that essentially do the exact same thing. Oh, you know, okay. I've got yeah. a 30, I've got a 30, 30 and I've got a seven mag. Those uh-huh. are my rifles. Yeah. I've yeah. got a muzzle loader. I got a bow. I got a shotgun. 22. That's pretty much where it stops. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, I, if I, uh, if I want a lotto, I'm pretty sure I just buy the whole gun store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah now for me it's more like function i look at it and i'm like well i got that one that one works i don't need another one you know and, and i tell you that it's just interesting too because like your personality definitely shows that too chuck uh you like purpose of everything and and for me i look at a lot of things like that too but i i know that a lot of people out there like myself will sometimes like splurge on you know, like I do have a couple of 308s and everything. I have a Remington right. 700 308, but it's a short barrel like Urban. And then I have the awesome Savage FPK. Got the AccuStock, AccuTrigger. I love that thing. It is smooth. You know what? We're not, if you got, if one of those guys that have like a 150 gun collection, you know, it's cool. We, we like it. Invite us. We love to shoot all your stuff. So be awesome. Uh, you know where to contact us up. I think too is some of the feedback that we got on Facebook. I mean, you, you talked about uh, ethics earlier. So today I was actually in a conversation with uh, someone I consider as a friend. I've never met them personally, but we through a, a different room for like you know libertarians and stuff like that. I've I've met him, and we were talking about hunter ethics and we got into trophy hunting, you know, public perception of hunting, and these are all topics that we absolutely want to bring onto this show. And I think this is not some of these. We might have an entire show just on a topic, just to give it its uh, due time, because some of it is deep. And on top of it, we may want to invite some people on to have that discussion. It's not necessarily because you know Chuck and I we might have a different opinion on some things, but we still work through it because we have the ultimate goal. Hey, we want a positive experience. We want to be able to hunt. We want to be able to be have access to public land. Want to be able to do all the different outdoor activities and stuff. But how we get there and how we do it might be a little bit different. And that's okay. But having that conversation is the most important thing that we can do because we all learn something. We educate ourselves and we find out maybe something we never knew about, like what you brought in earlier today about the Land and Water Conservation Fund. That is just amazing, Chuck. I'm still mind blown by that. Oh, yeah, man. Um, hunter ethics is something that uh, I think is a very personal issue, realistically, uh, particularly when you're doing everything within the law. Uh, uh, I mean... I, I can Im- impose my views on somebody very easily. Like, well, not impose them. Impose, I guess, is the wrong word, but impart my views and right. put my opinion on what somebody else is doing. But at the end of the day, just because it's my opinion, does that make it ethical or not? So when, in, in terms of hunting ethics, I, I tend to walk a fine line on on what I tell people is right and wrong. Um, the trophy hunting is a whole different issue because I think – Trophy hunting to a hunter versus a non-hunter, they're not even the same thing. Like it, it, it carries two, at least two separate definitions. Um, if you were to ask me, I, I trophy hunt, uh, I want to shoot the biggest deer in the woods. I'm going to eat that deer. Um, but at the same time, at the end of the day, the number one goal is to make sure I have enough deer meat to get me through a year. 
So if that means not shooting the biggest deer in the woods, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be perfectly happy with it. But especially the first couple months of the season, I'm, I set my sights on, on the largest buck I can find. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's not, it's not trophy hunting, uh, in terms of me going out and shooting the deer, sawing its head off and leaving the carcass in the woods to rot, which I think a lot of people's perception of trophy hunting that's not in the, a- in the hunting world. That's what they think it is. Yep. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, that is my definition of someone that is purely into it to do the wall mount. Cause I, I don't know if you saw it last year here in North Carolina, it went kind of viral, but there were like three deer and obviously there were bucks and they, uh, they're on this, this side of a field and laid out. And all they did was just take the, uh, the mount portion and left all that meat, all that stuff. And I kind of, and I kind of have an issue with that just personally, but if, if that's what you do, um, you're, you're doing it legally and Hey, it just really comes down to an opinion from there. I don't personally right. have anyone against doing the trophy mount. It's personally, it's not necessarily something I'm going to go right out for. I don't know what my son's experience is going to be, and I'm not going to stifle him if he wants to hang his first uh, buck out on the wall. My, my my wife might like have something to say about that, but uh, right. but you know, I, I totally get it. And they are just like you said on a previous show. It's a, it's a memory. It's it really is. Also, too, when I was talking to and his name was Matt, when I saw him the earlier day chatting away. He brought in some some good points about that, and I think there's some good information that we can probably dive in a little bit deeper in a in a future show. And one thing he mentioned was about it, you know, being a mature animal, and it should be removed from the population for the benefit too. So there's this subject actually goes much deeper. So you might just see this you know beautiful large deer, but you don't realize as these things these things don't live fifty years, you know? right? So and they're gonna die. Yeah, one way or another, they're going to die, and 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 it, and it's not cut and dry. It's not this is what you should shoot. This is what you shouldn't shoot. It's situational. It's environmental. There's so many other details, and um, I guess contributing factors that can go into what animal should be taken off the landscape in a given area, and in terms of just overall herd management, and it's. It's just such a broad topic. I mean, there uh, is it. It can get in the weeds tremendously. Um, one thing I do want to point out before it completely slips my mind: the whole trophy hunting thing, to where you go out and you cut a deer's head off and you leave that deer laying there and you do not bring the meat home. I want that's illegal. Just so everybody knows, like there are things called wanton waste laws. And uh, wanton waste laws in the United States, and you have to bring that meat back in with you. You can't, literally cannot, within the law, bring back just the head of a deer. Certain states have written the laws differently and require different amounts of meat to come back with you. But in general, you still have to bring the meat in out of the field, and you cannot waste it. You have the responsibility and the lawful duty for that meat to end up in a freezer or somewhere. You can't just throw it in a dumpster once yeah. you get it out of those woods. Yeah, so I, I don't know why you went, cause there's so many programs out there. Like I love like, uh, the North Carolina wildlife commission. If you, you want to source, go to your state page. <laughs> I guarantee you there are places you can donate that carcass, uh, and, or I should say, you know, harvest, they're able to utilize that to feed a community. I went to one of these seminars just recently and they were talking about, you know, you know, hundreds of deer that North Carolina hunters have provided, uh, certain organizations 
that help feed homeless and stuff. And, and deer meat is some of the healthiest that you could eat. So it's not, yeah. you know, ho-hos and Twinkies and all that stuff. It's like good quality uh, meal right there. So, I mean, right. I, I know some of this stuff is just going to be opinionated, but it's our podcast. We can have those opinions. Oh, for sure. For you sure. Know? Yeah. And if and, – go ahead. I'm sorry, just, Chuck. Just for an example of what you're talking about, um, our processor here in Gaston County alone, he took in a hundred over 140 deer last year that were donated to crisis centers. So if you do the math on that, and let's let's stay on the on the conservative side, so you get forty one pound packs of ground meat from one deer, so that ends up being fifty six hundred pounds of ground meat that's out in the community that is feeding people that essentially wouldn't be able to afford protein at the grocery store, and they're able to go to these crisis centers and get this free lean meat to feed their family. And that's great. That's great. That, that right there, I'm all about that. It just really depends probably the quality of person that you are. Uh, and I'm not trying to character fame anybody. It's just my opinion on that. I just don't like waste. Uh, and when, especially when it comes to food, it's a tough one for me. This topic definitely touches that. But I tell you what, Chuck, I love you being here, man. I'm so glad. Again, I say, I think it's every show. I'm so glad that we have linked up and we've taken an idea and we've, we're pushing it because I learned something from you every show. And I definitely know our listeners do. And I appreciate that connection. And Chuck, he's got a big background. He's not just a guy out there hunting, fishing, all that stuff too. He's actually involved. And that's what I like about Chuck. Chuck's a person that, you know, if you hear from him, it's because he's also been involved and he doesn't know he's, he's going to find out. He's going to tell you, Hey, I'll, I'll find that out. And it just, Again, man, every time you, you bring a topic up, I'm mind blown. Definitely would love to dive more into these independently in future podcasts and love to get the feedback. And, I, you know, I got a, I got a couple of buddies, particularly one I might reach out to, you know, once we get a little more seasoned, link up with him and talk about it. He's uh, pretty good in the, the political arena, and I would love to hear his input. And he comes from a, a spectrum of liberty, free right, and I would love to hear his input to this. What we're trying to put out here is you get out your personal space, feeling a little bit of freedom, but how else does that impart to with you know the access to certain lands, properties, and how does your hobby or adventures fall in line with your with certain legislator legislative laws and stuff? So we definitely want to get into that subject a little bit more. Um, yeah, Chuck, this is great, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, dude, and I I echo the sentiments right back to you, man. Um, your your knowledge in the the overlanding community and everything, I think it's huge. But just in terms of meeting you in this thing and how we're progressing with this podcast, it's I think it's going fantastic. If it if it blows up, it blows up. That's awesome. But if it if it just keeps the course of what it's doing now, and this is just a weekly conversation between you and I, and just the handful of folks tuning in and listening and getting something out of it, I'm cool with that. I totally appreciate it. Um, I do kind of want to go back before when you mentioned. Um, and this is just in case my wife, well, when my wife listens to this, I'll get called out. (laughs) Um, the whole gun thing when I was like, yeah, it's more of a function. I don't have a lot of guns pretty much with guns is where it stops. I may have 15 tree stands and six or seven, eight, nine, 10 different cook sets for, uh, backpacking and different stoves and things. I am a gear junkie. I do accumulate stuff, but I just want to kind of like <laughs> cover cover myself in case my wife's like, you're a liar. You buy multiple things. It's just, you just happen to hit the one thing that you don't buy a lot of. 
Yeah. So she, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big gear guy. I've, I've dabbled in tree stands uh, pretty extensively this fall. Um, so that's, I like tinkering and I'm not tinkering with guns. I, I think that may be a little bit of it, but anyway. Yeah, Chuck, Chuck don't like the couch, and uh, I would hate to be come back here next week and be like, hey, Chuck, we got a one-star review, man. It's from your wife. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know, I know. Yeah, she's not going to do that, but I would <laughs> no, get a one-star I'm just kidding, review man. behind closed doors. She would definitely lay into me. For- yeah, I think I remember hearing something about that when we were talking, but you should see my garage, man. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Um, my wife was this podcast. She's just like, mm-hmm. So... Well, y'all, we're going ahead and close the show out right there. I think Chuck and I could probably spend all night talking about all this stuff and not even think about it. Thank you, C-State Coffee, for being an awesome sponsor, because if we were going to stay up all night and talk about it, we'd definitely have some great coffee to do it with. Thanks again for joining us this week. Make sure to subscribe to the show or maybe even leave us a five-star review. Come back next week. We're going to have some more information, some great things we're going to share. And you know what? Feel free to hit us up. Maybe you'll be a part of the show, too, just like Matt this week. Thanks for listening to the Route 16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, C-State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week. Plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. Somebody say gun sale? Yeah!